So the year is 1997. Titanic dominates the box office. Uh, Mike Tyson takes bites out of two of Evander Holyfield's ears. And I am a 21-year-old moron working at a shoe store in Valley West Mall. So in October of that year, my best friend comes into the store. And he says, my grandmother passed away. We inherited her house. It's in Washington State. We're moving at the end of the month, and there's room in the truck if you want to go. I've got 400 bucks to my name. Uh, I have no marketable skills. And I have been further away from this spot than Chicago once in my life. I quit my job that day. (laughs) Two weeks later, we are headed west in a 17-foot U-Haul where I've very helpfully packed like six boxes of books and one bag of clothes. I don't know. Our plan is to get to Mount Vernon, Washington, which is about 50 miles north of Seattle. There, we unload the truck, set up the house, find jobs, get me an apartment. About a month later, his wife, who's currently defending her master's thesis at ISU, is going to join us. That's not what we did. (laughs) We were two 20-something-year-old males completely devoid of adult supervision. By the time his wife arrived, we had unpacked the couch, the television, and the computer. My friend had found a job, but I was both unemployed and still living in their back room. This is not a recipe for marital bliss. So not wanting to really be the reason my friends got divorced, I turned to the one place that has all the answers. I went to the internet. But it's 97, so I really just hung out in chat rooms. But that was where I met Michelle, a 27-year-old Hooters waitress in Edmonton, Alberta, who suggested I come visit her and her husband for a while. So I pack a bag for Canada. My friend gives me a ride to Vancouver, where I'm supposed to catch a plane to Calgary and then a bus to Edmonton. Now, for all he knew, I was willingly agreeing to go get murdered in someone's murder basement. But that also meant that I wasn't going to be in his house anymore, so (laughs) win-win! I get to Edmonton. Michelle and her husband, who's Cam, who's a long-haul truck driver, uh, they pick me up. We go back to their house. I wound up staying there for six weeks, and it was fantastic, frankly. We all got along really well. We drank whiskey and played cards. We went to shows and saw movies. Uh, Cam and I were both December babies, and so in this particular year, it was funny to us because he was turning 30 on the 22nd, and I was turning 22 on the 30th, so it was kind of a thing. (laughs) So twice a year... Uh, Cam's trucking company would send him to this little fishing village called Inuvik. It sits about 120 miles north of the Arctic Circle. It's way up there. Uh, It's one of those places, it's so far north that it gets like 31 straight days of darkness in the middle of the wintertime. And at that point, the average temperature is like 30 below zero. 
It's a very inhospitable place. And in January, his time comes up and he asks me if I want to go on the Inuvik run. Well, I've never seen the Northern Lights. And there aren't a ton of Americans who can say they've been above the Arctic Circle. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this. So I pack a bag. I've got two pairs of pants, two pairs of socks, two pairs of underwear, and a book. My only coat is this black leather bomber jacket that I'm wearing. I've got no boots. I've got no hat. I am wildly unprepared for any kind of cold weather, but completely undaunted. And we hop in the truck and off we go. It is a 45-hour drive from Edmonton to Inuvik. It involves taking a ferry and driving on two ice roads. And man, that was still, that was a good time. We shared jokes, we listened to music, we swapped stories. That ride could have been twice as long and we would have still had fun. We get to Inuvik, we drop off his load, we spend the rest of the day, you know, walking around in the darkness, uh, staring at the northern lights and drinking beer and just being guys. So eventually it comes time to get out of Dodge. Uh, we stop at this little gas station, this little truck stop right outside of the town, and he gasses up the truck while I go in to use the bathroom and get a candy bar. I come back out, the truck's running, he's ready to go. I go up, I grab the handle, and the door's locked. I knock on the door and nothing. I climb up on the first step and I knock on the window, and Cam's just sitting there. And after a minute, he kind of turns to me. He puts the window down a couple inches and he says, let this be a lesson to you. And he puts the truck into gear. I jump off and this thing pulls away and I think this is a joke. He's going to stop. I'm going to get in. We're going to share a laugh. We'll go home. But the truck keeps going and it crests over this hill and he's just gone. The hell just happened? <laughs> I stare at this road where this truck just disappeared and I start to take in what I'm thinking, what, what I'm faced with. I am now 2,000 miles away from anybody who knows me. I've got a handful of Canadian coin I have no credit cards, and it's 1998, so I have no cell phone. I am alone. And as I stand there, the snow starts to fall, and I become acutely aware of how cold it is. And I go to zip up my jacket, and the zipper breaks off in my hand. <laughs> now that zipper, that's a crossroads. Given my current situation and what had just happened to me, that zipper could have been the thing that just broke my little psyche and sent me running off into the Mackenzie River that runs through the middle of town. But instead, the minute that zipper broke, everything else just seemed to snap into place with it. And I looked at the gas station and I looked at the road and I looked at that stupid piece of metal in my hand, and I laughed. And I looked up at the northern lights, and I felt that snow on my cheeks, 
And I remember very clearly just saying to no one in particular, well, it's not going to kill me. The truck stop was one of those that catered to long-haul truckers. So it was open 24 hours a day. There were showers, there were cots, there was cheap gas station food. I knew that I was going to be warm. I was going to be somewhere inside. Ultimately, I didn't know how long I was going to be in Inuvik, but I knew I was going to survive it. All I had to do was wait for another truck. Well, that wait wound up taking about six hours. But that guy was headed north. <laughs> yeah, I'm done going north. So I wait. And I don't know how many of you have ever done it, but I'm just going to tell you, sitting in a glorified gas station with no real end date is boring. The place had TVs, and I got addicted to Canadian soap operas, but they were on a daily loop, so I'm watching the same four and five over and over and over again. Uh, the place had books for sale, but the proprietor didn't like me reading them without buying them, so I would just sneak them when he went to the bathroom. Finally, three days later, a logging truck pulls in for gas. And the truck driver sees this clearly bedraggled idiot who looks like he's been eating truck stop jerky for three days, because I had been. He takes pity on me and offers me a ride south. Closest he can get me is Whitehorse. It's a 32-hour drive with a total stranger in almost total silence, sleeping upright in this passenger seat. From there, I cobble together rides to Calgary, where I'm able to contact my mom, who buys me a plane ticket back to Vancouver, where I get a bus ride back across the border to Mount Vernon. All of that took another three days. Once I got back to Mount Vernon, I was able to get back online and reconnect with the waitress, who, it turns out, had no idea what was happening when her husband came in the door alone. Well, it turns out, when your job sends you out of the house for days and days at a time and forces you to leave your lovely young wife at home with a single male, and when all you have is hours and hours of free time alone with your thoughts and miles and miles of open road to process those, don't get ahead of me. <laughs> you can come up with some fairly fantastic scenarios, and Cam became convinced that I was getting more than free hot wings while he was gone. And I had to laugh, because I mean, look at me. I can assure you, you aren't the only people in this room a little bit disappointed that this is how I turned out. I mean, yeah, I'm no bridge troll, I'm not Quasimodo, but I am also not good-looking enough to just run off with someone's wife. I don't care what chain restaurant she works at. <laughs> so that was all 22 years ago now. I like to think I'm smarter, but who the hell knows? But Inuvik supplied me with a level of perspective that has served me very well in my life. Uh, even now, as time comes where the stresses of life just build up and it feels like things are just never gonna relent, even then, once in a while, I'll close my eyes, I'll turn my head to the roof and I'll feel that snow and I'll take a deep breath 
and I'll open my eyes and I'll say, you know what? It's not going to kill me. Thank you.